Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to this edition of Questions and Answers. I'm Khawa Sonaman. And of course, joining me once again is Sheikh Ibrahim Wass. Assalamu alaikum to you, Sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And to all the listeners of The Voice of the Cape. So, um, Sheikh will be answering your questions. Shukran so much for all those sending uh, the SMSs, loads of SMSs to deal with. Please, please be patient with us. Inshallah, we will deal with your um, SMSs. And being the month of fasting, we would like to deal with appropriate questions in the, um, with regards to that. So, Sheikh, getting right back into the questions, uh, the first one we start off with. And remember, you can SMS your questions to 47913. Salam, Sheikh. If you make Tahajjud Salah, you must... Make, must you make witr salah again if you already did it after tarawih salah? Shukran. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. The sunnah is that if a person uh, ordinarily thinks that he will not be able to make tahajjud, then the sunnah is to make witr before one goes and sleep. One, before one goes to bed, one tries to make witr. It is a highly recommended sunnah. Uh, in fact, some of the madhahib, like the Hanafi madhab, for example, stipulates that it is wajib, it is compulsory to make witr. You cannot skip it. So witr, it is sunnah to make it before you go and sleep if you think that you will not be able to make tahajjud. If, on the other hand, you are m- most likely certain that you will make tahajjud, then it is best to delay the salah of witr till after the salah of tahajjud. Uh, during the month of Ramadan, however, there seems to be obviously an exception because this is the time where we get opportunity to make the witr salah with jama'ah. After we make salah to tarawih, we make the witr salah with jama'ah, and so the witr is complete. So the question is really, can you still make tahajjud? And if you make tahajjud, must you make witr again? The answer is yes, you can still make tahajjud even though you've completed your witr. Uh, and the second part is, uh, should you make witr again? No, you should not make witr again. If witr is done for the evening, you don't repeat it ever, because there is a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ emphatically stated, لا وتران في الليلة There should not be two witrs in the same night. So once it's done, it's done, but that does not stop you from making tahajjud salah. Okay, you can still stand up, you can still perform your tahajjud salah, that will not, one will not affect the other at all. Uh, uh, so during the month of Ramadan, like I said, uh, it is obviously virtuous to stay and make your salah with the jama'ah, make your witr salah with the jama'ah, no problem. And then when you wake up, let's say before you have iftar and you want to have your, you want to make a few rak'ahs of tahajjud, that is fine, you carry on with the tahajjud, but you do not repeat the witr salah. Shukran, Shaykh. Salam Sheikh, I have severe acid reflux every year. I fast five or six days, then skip one day cause of it, uh, because of it. I fasted three days now and for two days was burning terribly and did not fast. But the fact I'm not fasting hurt me. What should I do? Uh, Allah knows best uh, what is in our hearts and our intentions. And Allah Ta'ala, out of His mercy, uh, had promised that what, whatever good intentions we have, we will be rewarded according to those in- intentions. The Prophet Sallallahu said in a hadith that is well known to all of us, All actions will be judged according to intention. And you will get whatever reward, you will get whatever outcome that will come will, will be on account of your, atten- uh, your intention that you have. Of course, in, in a state where a person is sick, like the person is describing here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given leeway for such a person not to fast, and obviously to make those days up at a later stage when they do feel better. 
uh, in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 184, the well-known verses that deal with uh, siyam and fasting. Allah Ta'ala states, فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرٍ Those who are ill or ill or on travel, they can obviously fast some other days after the month of Ramadan. And those who cannot fast at all, let's say permanently they have terminal illnesses, etc. For them they have to pay a fidya. And that is the way out that Allah Ta'ala has described. So in this case it seems that the person is able to fast but maybe not all the time. So just fast whatever you can. And when you cannot fast, then inshallah Allah knows best your, about your condition. In this case, you, will, you can make those days up at a later stage. You, you need not to pay a fidya at all. The fidya is only for somebody who permanently does not fast or cannot fast. So you just make those days up at a later stage. And uh, uh, in fact, Allah Ta'ala state also in one of these ayat that Allah does not wish difficulty upon His servants. Allah states, Allah says, He wants easiness for you, He does not want difficulty for you. So try to accept your condition. If Allah has given you this particular condition or this particular illness that you have, try to accept it uh, as coming from Allah Ta'ala with, with His divine wisdom. And uh, do whatever other good you can do during this month while you are not fasting. Okay? Try to recite Quran, try to make lots of dhikr, try to give sadaqah as much as you can. Uh, don't, don't, uh, lack behind in, in terms of the other good things that can be done during the month for those days that you are not fasting uh, and of course make your niyyah that inshallah as soon as I'm better I will fast those days in immediately after Ramadan without any delay and inshallah Allah Ta'ala will give you the reward that you would have received were you to fast in the month of Ramadan because your niyyah was to fast but it's because of your illness that you are not fasting so try to occupy yourself with good during those times that will give you calmness and will bring contentment to your heart inshallah after all Allah Ta'ala is in charge he's the one that gives us these things sometimes uh, and so we need to be patient and we need to make lots of dua to him for acceptance shukran assalamu alaikum sheikh a woman going through menopause haven't had a period in eight months now experiencing spotting every second day for a few weeks what does one do re with regards to fasting and solar with regards to uh, the spotting, uh, obviously if the person has not uh, been experiencing the normal menstruation that comes on a monthly basis, then it means there's some irregularity that's happening in the body, etc. Um, first of all, uh, we have to obviously ascertain the amount of spotting that, that is taking place. If it is equivalent to now, one has to, has to take into consideration that the least amount of days that you will be in a state of menstruation is one day, one full day or 24 hours. Okay, you don't have any height that comes less than that. It will always be one day or more. The usual time is normally six to seven days, and the maximum time it can go up to 15 days. Okay, uh, beyond 15 days it will not be considered hayd any longer. In this case, since it is irregular kind of uh, spotting that is, is to be seen, uh, I think what needs to be done here is you need to ascertain whether you think that these spottings that you are seeing uh, occasionally will add up to a flow of maybe one full day. Right. Does it add up to what you would normally experience in, in 24 hours? Right. And if that is the case, then you can consider it to be hayd up until 15 days only, which is the maximum period. After that, you'll go back into the normal state, even if you are still spotting, because the maximum time for hayd in any case is 15 days. Um, so you, even if you spot after that, you will then clean yourself up and you will still fast. You will make, uh, make salah and all the other things. So uh, basically, you need to ascertain whether the flow can constitute a minimal period of height, which is 24 hours. 
And if you think it does, then it can be considered as hayd, and you then take it just uh, up until 15 days as a maximum, and after that, everything will be normal, uh, and you will obviously then uh, just make your siyam. You'll clean yourself up, obviously, for each uh, salah. Everything else will continue as normal, inshallah. Inshallah. Shukran so much to Sheikh. Uh, the number to SMS your uh, questions to is 47913. Um, we won't necessarily take your questions immediately, but please do keep them coming. We will deal with them in the time um, we have received them following the next questions. We're also dealing with uh, f- uh, questions that are relating to Ramadan, especially this is the month of fasting to advise all our um, questioners the necessary way to follow to answer their questions. Okay, so let's just take a quick break and when we return, inshallah, we'll continue with your questions on this question and answer forum with Sheikh Ibrahim Wurst. Back in a moment. The Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM Stereo Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome back, I'm Khawa Salomon And this is where we take your questions And Sheikh Ibrahim Mous, Alhamdulillah Gives a detailed explanation to your questions On 47913 Next question is Assalamu alaikum My husband doesn't fast He swears at us What do I do, Sheikh? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim uh, Of course, uh, in normal circumstances Whether we are fasting or not we should not be swearing, we should not be using abusive language, we should try to treat our family members with the utmost respect. Um, this is what Allah commands us to do, this is what the Prophet وسلم, has taught us. In the Quran, Allah Ta'ala states, وَقُولُوا لِلنَّاسِ حُسْنًا Always speak good to people. Never try to be belittle people or speak ugly to them or swear at them. This is un-Islamic, it's unprophetic. Uh, the Quran does not condone this. The Prophet ﷺ advised us, and particularly when it comes to our family members, we try to be even more careful because they, those are the ones who are around us all the time. Those are the ones who we need to show compassion to and we need to show our merciful character to. So uh, just to say first of all that whether we are fasting or whether we are not fasting, Verbal abuse is not acceptable in Islam under any circumstances. It is something which is haram, something that must be uh, refrained from uh, because it is something that brings the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that home. Uh, in this case, the person is saying that uh, the husband is not fasting either. Now, I, I, I obviously don't know why he is not fasting. Is it because uh, maybe he is ill, so he cannot fast? In which case, obviously, he's maybe frustrated if he's not fasting because he wants to fast, but he cannot. Uh, and in this case, we need to be patient and try to encourage him and, and, and tell him that Allah Ta'ala has given you, if it is an illness that you have, uh, he has given you the illness. So be patient. Don't take your frustrations out on other people. Try to accept uh, Allah Ta'ala's decree. And like I said to the other question, try to do other good things of Quran, of dhikr, of sadaqat, help the poor, help the needy, uh, assist wherever you can in good things that will bring you closer to Allah during this month. If that is the case, that you are not fasting, Fasting because of illness. On the other hand, if it is that you are not fasting, if the if the husband is not fasting because simply he is not fasting, right? He is, just doesn't want to fast, and now he's maybe swearing at his family, uh, showing some contempt because they are fasting. In such a case, obviously, we we need to be uh, much more stern with him, and we we need to be more more decisive in the way that we are going to deal with him. Because if a person does not follow one of the obligations of Islam, such as fasting, he's got no right to, to, to show any contempt for those who do. And they've, they don't need to sort of obey him, you know, or they, need, they, they don't need to obviously 
deal with him with, with, with kids' gloves, you know, in a certain sense. Because if he's just totally disregarding the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and still being um, abusive on top of that, then obviously that is something which is absolutely unacceptable in Islam. And they should obviously get someone that has influence over him to tell him that this is not the way to go. If you yourself are a weakling and, and you don't want to fast, then that is your issue. But don't take it out on your family members. It's wrong to do that. Um, and of course, we need to ov- uh, obviously ascertain what the situation is here, why he is not fasting. And maybe try and understand where the anger is coming from or where the abuse is coming from. So for me, it will be two different situations. If the person is angry because he cannot fast and he wants to fast, then there I would be a bit more compassionate and careful. I would be a bit more, um, you know, uh, a bit more uh, easy on the approach that I will take. But if it is a person who is not fasting because disregarding fasting, or he does not want to fast simply because he doesn't want to, then that is a bit more dangerous for me. I mean, that is not something that I will take lightly. And I think the wife needs to be decisive. She needs to call in or get in someone that can have an influence over him, whether it is his brothers or his family members, his uncles, anybody that is able to do something about this. Because you, you cannot be in a home where you are trying to obey Allah Ta'ala by fasting and by doing the right thing, while you have somebody who is disregarding those laws and still abusing you on top of it. I mean, that is something which no one will be able to live with. Uh, and, and I think she should consult with uh, maybe her local imam, if she can, on further ways of overcoming this problem. But we make dua that Allah makes it easy upon her and her family and for them to remain steadfast on their Ramadan and Siyam and that Allah Ta'ala opens the doors for them, inshallah, as a solution uh, for this problem. Shukran, Sheikh. This is Questions and Answer Forum, taking your questions on 47913. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. What do I do as a mother whose son, he's a mature man, all of a sudden decides he's not going to make salah anymore, and now he refuses to go tarawih and does not pay any heed of my pleas, mm. Sheikh? Yeah, um, I think one of the main issues that the parents are facing today are, you know, sort of issues relating to children rebelling against them uh, and children not wanting to do what they are telling them to do, etc. Uh, and obviously, I always say these things, it stems from other things. It does not just happen in a vacuum. It, it doesn't come about just all of a sudden. There may have been a lot of other things before that that led to this behavior of the child, right? Um, what we need to say to parents is you remain the parents and they remain the children and you need to exercise your right as parents and your authority as parents in your homes and you should not feel any uh, you should not feel any awkwardness if you need to tell your child what is right and what is wrong and obviously this becomes easier if you do this from a young age already if you already instill within that child that there is a certain authority in the house, there's a certain way that things are done, there's rules and regulations that must be followed. And if the child is nurtured into that way, it becomes easier at a later stage. And so we should not leave our children in the initial stages just to do as they please and then expect at a later stage. And I'm not saying this is the case here. I'm just speaking in general terms. Uh, we, ca- we cannot leave our children in the initial stage and then at a later stage expect that they must now make a U-turn and listen to everything to what we have got to, to what, what we want to say to them. So here I would insist that the mother here should exercise her authority as a mother uh, and if the father is still around, I don't know if he is, but if he is still around, he should exercise his right as a father and a child should not be able to say what they want to do or uh, dictate to the parents or, or, you know, how their cause of life should be because they don't know better. <laughs> they need the guidance from their parents. And I think uh, one of the major problems that we have today is that I think parents are too soft uh, in the sense that they are too scared or afraid 
to do the right thing in front of their children. We are living in a time almost like, uh, and, and subhanallah, if we really look at the, the prophetic uh, advice and so on, the Prophet ﷺ actually said that a time will come, you know, where a woman, it is in fact one of the signs of the final hour that a woman will be giving birth to someone and that someone will become her master or her mistress if it is a girl, you know, somebody that will be over the mother or have authority or try to exercise authority over the parent. And I think we are living those times, but our parents need, need to be strong. They need to show that, um, you know, if, if the child is going to live under their roof, then they will have to follow those kind of rules. Or otherwise, you need to take privileges away from them and show to them that we are not ha- uh, happy with this kind of thing and that we cannot accept this kind of behavior at all. I think this is what should be done. There shouldn't be a matter of you know consideration, maybe this, that or the other, and becoming indecisive. We should be decisive as parents and try our best to... Um, to do what will please Allah and what will please uh, you know, our Prophet And I beg from parents to start with the children at an early age. Don't wait until the children are old uh, you know, and we neglect them for a long time and then all of a sudden we see the rebellion, then it is almost virtually too late. Okay? We beg from parents to start at an early stage in trying to advise their children. Uh, but we hope, inshallah, that this mother will be able to put her foot down and say to a child that my son, I love you for the sake of Allah, I love you because you are my child, and I only want the best for you. And the way that we, that I can only gain the love of Allah is if, I, if we do what Allah wants us to do, if we please Him in, in our ibadah, in what we are supposed to do. And unfortunately, I will not accept from you to do otherwise, otherwise I will be failing as my du- uh, with, uh, you know, in my duty as a parent, and I will be answerable. And she should tell him all these things because he is now putting her also in a predicament if, he, if she's not going to be decisive enough. She's going to be answerable. Uh, why did she not you know, do something about it? But we make dua. It is a difficult situation. It, is, it may be a bit challenging, especially he's a grown-up man. He's already you know, 20 or whatever the case is. So in this uh, case, it is a bit more challenging. But we pray that Allah makes it easy for her to be able to deal with, with this particular uh, situation. Shukran Sheikh, stay with us. We continue with questions and answers just after the short break. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A very good morning to you. I'm Khawa Solomon. Um, at least good afternoon, just after 12. And uh, you tuned to VOC 91.3 FM. We in questions and answer forum with the resident imam at the Yusufia Masjid in Weinberg. Continue your questions. Assalamu alaikum. I would like to know if you can give zakah or fitra to someone who has a son that is on drugs, but the mother is struggling with two school-going children and two grandsons, and the fathers are not supporting. Only Sasa money, um, are we allowed to give such a person shukran? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Uh, it would appear uh, from this question that, that the, the, the mother here is obviously uh, eligible to, to receive zakah if she is uh, struggling and she's not making ends meet. However, there is this issue of her son taking drugs. So obviously the one does not affect the other. I mean, if she is eligible to get zakah or to get fitra, for that matter, then of course she's eligible. I mean, if she's poor and she's in need, and of course there's two categories of of poverty with regards to zakah and sadaqatul fitr for that matter, and that is the faqir and the miskin. The faqir would be somebody that they have absolutely nothing, not even the basics. Obviously that would be the first category that one would uh, discharges, just discharge one zakah to. The first category would be somebody that has absolutely nothing, a faqir. Then you have a miskin. Miskin would be a second category whereby the person has got some things, 
So in this case, she's got a pension, but it's not enough for her to look after her kids, to look after herself. Fathers are not supporting, etc. So obviously, she falls under the category of miskin, which means she is eligible for zakah and for sadaqatul fitr. And yes, I think she should be given zakah and sadaqatul fitr to help her and to assist her. Uh, and in terms of the, the son that is taking drugs, that is a separate issue altogether. We need to deal with that, obviously, in a different way. And I think the only advice that I can give here is that obviously we make sure that whatever we are going to give to the mother does not land up in the hands of the son. Okay, somehow we must try to ensure that we give the, the money directly to the mother or give it in small portions because unfortunately what happens is if there is a an abuser of drugs in a, in a house, he will tend to obviously steal things and look for things to take and sell and stuff like that. So maybe give it in smaller portions, give it to her in a way that she can benefit from it on a daily basis or, or buy the necessities for her or ask her if or what she needs and, and stuff like that. Work out a way in which we can help her as a, someone who is eligible for zakah and for sadaqah without uh, putting uh, uh, it at risk for the person who's taking drugs to steal or to take the money and use it for things that will be detrimental. So that is what we should do. I mean, we should not obviously uh, punish the mother for what the son is doing. Okay, that is not wrong, uh, not right, it's not fair. We cannot punish the mother for what the son is doing. So the son, we need to deal with that. That is a different issue altogether. But as far as the zakah is going, we, we should help. We should help this poor poor mother, especially she is struggling with the other children. We should give her whatever support we can. And in fact, we should even support her in terms of dealing with this uh, son of hers that is abusive or that is taking drugs. We should, the community should, whoever is able, should come forward and try to assist as far as they can to help this, this sister, especially in this month of Ramadan. It's a month where we need to open our hearts, we need to open our minds, we need to open, you know, we, we need to become more charitable, we need to become more supportive and helpful to those around us, especially those uh, who are in need. Shukran, Sheikh. Um, the next question, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. I am the mother. If a young man, um, if a young man, even though my husband and I have tried, um, if, okay. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. I know to beg is haram in Islam. However, I don't have food, nothing to eat to break my fast. May I ask people? This is, of course, something that saddens one's heart mm. when you see somebody who is fasting Ramadan uh, and he doesn't have something to break his fast with. I mean, this is really something that, uh, you know, one cannot imagine what it must be like if a person is living under those conditions. And, of course, uh, the person is saying he doesn't want to beg, but he's forced to. So what, what to do now? Uh, I think we should never, as a community, you know, uh, it will be an indictment on us as a community when we, in the month of Ramadan, we still have people in our communities who are fasting but they don't have something to eat I mean surely we've got over enough things that we can give in whatever community it is we know there's lots of poverty but we also know there's lots of affluence everywhere and this is really a month in which we need to change our perception we need to change our attitude you know towards those people who don't have and uh, what I want to say uh, to this person is that I'm, I'm really sorry I and mean, my heart breaks you know to see that, or to hear that there is someone who is fasting this month but they don't have even to break their fast so I, I'm, I'm urging this person to make a call to the, to the radio station and get the numbers of the various mm -hmm. welfare organizations within your area the massage it in your area and something definitely can be done to assist you so that you will not be begging, especially during this month. Mm. I mean, we don't want to see anybody begging or we don't want to, especially if it is somebody fasting, I mean, trying his best to do this particular compulsory act. Uh, 
So we don't, uh, we, we, we want to, uh, people to be more considerate and we want people to open their hearts for this kind of situation more than anything else. So what I would uh, suggest this person do is to, to get the numbers of all the welfare organizations and especially the ones that is close to your area and phone in and get those numbers and get the numbers of the masajid in your area and let's follow up on this and see if anything can be done for people like yourself and others who are in this very, very difficult situation for not having something to eat during the month of Ramadan. I want to repeat, I think it's an, an, an indictment on our community if we have the situation still prevailing within our communities, knowing the type of uh, uh, societies that we do have in various areas who are able to assist and help. And inshallah, hopefully something good will come from this, whoever is listening, also to inquire about this particular incident and, and issue and come forward and, and pledge their support uh, for, for this brother and whoever else is out there, who people who are in need, inshallah. Amen, inshallah. Shukran, Sheikh. Taking your SMSs on 47913. Assalamu alaikum. I'm a pensioner and a diabetic, so I cannot fast. Um, pension is my only income. Do I have to pay fidya and how much? Shukran. Yeah, the fidya, of course, would be uh, for someone who permanently cannot fast, like yourself. So if you have di- diabetes and you cannot fast at all, then yes, fidya is compulsory. But at the same time, it will only be compulsory if you can afford it. If you yourself can't afford the fidya, to, to pay the fidya to the poor, then obviously that means possibly you could receive the fidya. <laughs> Even though you're not fasting, you could receive the sadaqah from some, somewhere else. Okay, The minimal, of course, uh, fidya that, that should be paid for each day that is not fasted is a minimum of, of 11, 10 or 11 rands. That is a minimal. So it will be 11 times uh, 30 or 29 days. That will be the minimal. But if you cannot afford that 300 and odd rand for the fidya, you don't have. Let's say you've got amount less than that, which you can afford. Then you give whatever you can. Whatever you can give as sadaqah in terms of the fidya, you give that. And whatever else you couldn't afford, it's fine. And if you are in a state where you are not fasting, you can't give the fidya, and you maybe still need support and help, then of course you are eligible as well to receive zakah and to sadaqah and fidya and fitrah and so on. You can also receive, be a recipient of, of that if that is your condition. Uh, and you know best what your condition is. So Allah Ta'ala make easy for you, inshallah. Uh, mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry. If you cannot pay the fidya, uh, no problem. Allah Ta'ala knows about your condition. He is not going to tax you. Allah says in the Quran, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Allah does not place a burden on somebody's shoulder who is that is above his, his or her means. So we make dua that Allah makes easy for, for all of us, inshallah. Inshallah. We continue with questions and answers after the short break. Stay with us. Radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to Questions and Answers. I'm Khawa Salman and with me, of course, our guest on this program is Sheikh Ibrahim Wurst. Answering your questions on the SMS line 47913. Please do keep them coming. Shukran so much to everybody once again for their patience in answering their questions. Um, as mentioned earlier, we are dealing with those uh, questions that has come in uh, weeks before and dealing with the month of Ramadan. So, inshallah, let's continue. Assalamu alaikum, uh, Sheikh. Can I give my sister's daughter Fitra, her husband doesn't work um, and she has small children. 
Yeah, the, the, the basic laws of uh, fitra and zakah and, and who, who the recipients may or may not be is that we, we can give fitra and we can give zakah uh, to any person as long as the person is not our direct dependents. Okay, and that is two categories. Two categories of people, or rather three categories of people are not eligible to receive zakah or sadaqatul fitr from ourselves. The first one is obviously uh, your own spouse, right? You don't give zakah or sadaqatul fitr to your own spouse simply because you need to support your spouse. You need to give nafaka. So the nafaka takes place there, right? So you don't give zakah or, or, or sadaqatul fitr to your spouse. Second category would be your children and your children's children, grandchildren in other words. That category also is not eligible for zakah and for, for fitra simply because those are your dependents. You need to look after them, you need to maintain them, you need to give them nafaka, and that is uh, already fulfills that particular duty. Then we have a third category, and that is your parents and your great grandparents and all the way up. They also become your responsibility if no one else is there to look after them. Then you need to give them nafaka, you need to care for them, you need to uh, take care of their basic necessities and needs if you are able to. And in this case, obviously, you cannot give zakah to them or fitra to them either. So basically, those three categories we are not able to give. Any other family members who are eligible, who are poor, who does not have, who don't have enough uh, for themselves, they can receive zakah or sadaqatul fitr or fitra from yourself. Uh, let's say your cousin, your, un- your aunt, your uncle, you know, your, your brother, your sister, all of them, you are able to give your zakah and your fitra too. Especially in this month, it will be even a good thing and it will be uh, more rewardable if you give it to a family member because then there's two sort of the reward will be twofold because first of all you're helping a poor person and secondly you're joining yourself with your family family ties you are building up family relationships which is obviously important in islam as well uh, and i would actually recommend this that before we give our fitra to strange people and to people or, or, or let's see that our own family see if each person can see that his own family circle are good enough and they they are have sufficient for the day of eid then that is a good start then from there obviously we can look a bit further Okay, because charity begins at home. I mean, we need to look at our own uh, families. And if each person does this, then I think there will be a greater relief of uh, the situation. So in a nutshell, you are allowed to give fitra to your uh, family. And in this case, it's your sister's daughter. So that's not your direct dependent. You can give fitra to her and her husband if they are eligible, uh, being poor, etc. Shukran, Sheikh. Um, Assalamu alaikum. Please give advice and guidance. I have this bitter heart, very nasty with my grandma. I really want to learn, inshallah, I'm not fasting. Yeah, alhamdulillah, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, the fact that you say that you, you know, you want to learn mm. and you want to better yourself, that shows you've got a good heart, inshallah. Mm. You, you don't have that, you know, your heart is inclined towards good. Otherwise, you would not ask the question in mm. the first place. So although you are nasty to your mother, you're not fasting, you're doing a lot of wrong things. I do believe that there's some good in your heart. Otherwise, you would not reach out for some for some help. And I hope that Allah makes it easy for you, for your heart to become purified, for your heart to become in a better state, where you're able to become a better person. Uh, and I think the starting point f- for me would be that you try to solve or resolve the differences between you and your grandmother. You ask Maha for what you have done. That is a, always a good starting point. Ask Maha for what you have done. And if you can... Uh, try to sort out that uh, feelings in a way that you try to make up in whatever way you can and that will be a good starting point right secondly you need to obviously begin to repent to Allah as well 
because you've been neglecting some of your duties, you've not been making salah, you've not perhaps been fasting. So repent to Allah, ask Allah to help you and to guide you. Ask Allah Ta'ala to open your heart and your mind for this beautiful deen of Islam. Ask Allah Ta'ala to give you the courage to do the, the, the right thing at the time when it is required. So that would be the second step. And the third one for me is you obviously need to get in contact with people that can have a good influence over you. You need to be with people that can encourage you. You need to be in the company of people that are fasting, in the company of people that make salah, in the company of people that can spur you on to do good thing, good things. So if there is within your area maybe a masjid that you can go to, where you can perhaps, uh, even if you're not initially going to join, but just to go there and see what, what is happening there to benefit from the, the, the atmosphere or the environment of taraweeh or during the day if there's classes or if there's any activities there, please do that. Uh, make this Ramadan a starting point for yourself, right, or changing point for yourself. Nothing is impossible. I want to say to this person, nothing is impossible. Don't think that you've drifted, drifted too far away that you're not able to come back. Allah Ta'ala is in charge of everything, of your heart as well. And He's able to, 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 to give you a, a second chance. And He's prepared to give you a second chance. As long as you are willing to help yourself to come back, to return to Him, to repent to Him, and to make right that which is wrong, Allah Ta'ala will further put uh, things in your path that will make it easy for you to improve your life and to improve your condition. And we hope, inshallah, that this month of Ramadan will be a month of blessings as far as your life is concerned, that your life will make, you will make a, a turnaround in your life where you will be able to live as a better person with your grandmother, with all other people around you, and most, most importantly also with your Creator. You will try to build that relationship with the one that created you and that sustains you. And we hope that Allah Ta'ala makes it easy, inshallah. Shukran, Sheikh. Uh, we're in our last segment of questions and answers, but we, we're still taking your SMSs on 47913. It will be dealt with now, but in the next program, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Um, from what age does one pay fitra for a child? And if there is 10 in the family, is there a minimum amount that we can pay? Wassalam. Yeah, the, the, there is no uh, minimal age for fitra to be given. The moment the child is born, before uh, sunset, on the night of Eid, if the child is born in Ramadan, before, the, before sunset on the night of Eid, then fitra becomes compulsory for that child. Okay? So let's say the child is, is born one hour before Maghrib of the last day of Ramadan. Tomorrow is going to be Eid. So on the last day of Ramadan, the child is born just before Maghrib then fitra will become compulsory to be paid on behalf of that child, even if the child is only one hour old after the Adhan of Maghrib. So there's no minimal age. Okay, Fitra must be given on behalf of yourself and all your dependents. Of course, the minimal amount would be 33 rand per person. 33 rand for yourself, 33 rand for your wife, 33 rand for each of your children. So if there's 10 in, in this particular family, then the minimal would be 330 rand. Okay, uh, if the if in this case the, the the family cannot afford 330 rand, maybe the breadwinner is not able to give 330 rand, then you give whatever you can give, even if it is half of that, whatever you are able to afford, then you give uh, to the amount to the extent which is possible for you, and inshallah that will be the acceptable fitra on behalf of you and your family. But if you can and if you are able to. To pay the minimal amount of 33 rand, and that is obviously ideal, and that will be the best, the best uh, solution here, uh, uh, and that is what, what should be done. Unless you you cannot really afford it, then you just give whatever you are able to afford. And just to repeat again, your child, if your child is no matter how small, 
we have to do fitra on behalf of that child uh, for the month of Ramadan. Shukran, Sheikh. Unfortunately, we have to leave it right there for now. Hope, inshallah, that all and uh, from you know benefits from the message that Sheikh Ibrahim was had uh, conveyed today in this questions and answer forum. Sheikh, shukran so much uh, to Sheikh for being available today, and we'll chat to Sheikh soon again in the next of um, program and questions and answers, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan to you also and to our listeners, and may Allah Taala bless us during the remainder of this month, and may we all, inshallah, reap the benefits of this beautiful month of. رمضان والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته